The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. If you're a nonprofit, what's the fastest way to raise big money? What's the best way to raise big money? Well, to answer those questions, Tony Martinetti. Tony, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Joel. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, welcome. So what's the best way to raise big money if you're a nonprofit? Where does the money come from? Big money comes from state plans, estate and retirement plans. And that's the niche of fundraising that I work in. We call it planned giving. And I'm happy to talk all about it. Well, we'll we, we will get to it. Why don't you first just tell us, just give us some landscape. Uh, beside planned giving, what other ways are there that money comes into organizations? Just Oh, lots. Yeah, broad spectrum. Look, yeah, you, broad spectrum. Give, give us the basics. Uh, at the most basic level, it could be something like text to give, you know, $5 for an emergency. Uh, could be your annual fund. Most, most nonprofits do that at the end of the year. Uh, your annual appeal. That could be gifts from $50 to $5,000, depending what, what people are capable of giving each year. Um, then, of course, you have uh, your major donor programs. Those are uh, still geared toward individuals. That's what I'm talking about so far is individual giving. Um, Major donors can be very valuable to a campaign, um, can get you through difficult times because they're so committed to your organization. Uh, then there's planned giving, which we're going to talk about. Then, of course, you can get money from foundations, corporations. There's uh, earned income. It could be fundraise, uh, fees for services. Uh, it could be government grants. Lots of different sources. So, so here's what here's what I uh, hear, and 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 I've got. Listen, I don't have your background, but I was the chairman of the board of the Los Angeles Boys and Girls Club, uh, which is a pretty good sized club, in Los Angeles. Awesome. I always um, admire board members. You, you know, you know what? It's uh, it was a wonderful experience, and and then I've uh, moved now on to uh, another uh, associ- a business association uh, nonprofit, a national board. So you know, I I am involved, and I do commit. Uh, my time to these things because I believe in them exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I, you, you do what you believe in. Right. Yeah. But, um, but what I hear is that everything except for plan giving sort of sounds like you're always scrambling for the next dollar. I mean, you know, there's uh, you know, there's all their, the things are transactional. They're not like subscription. Subscription is like planned, you know, exactly what's going to happen. So, and you know, that would be in business, but in your world, there are transactional things where you're asking people for money and then there's plan, which is you can count on it at a certain time in the future. Is that right? 
Yes, it is. Planned giving, you know that you're in someone's estate or retirement plan. Now, what you don't know is when that person is going to die, which, which is when the cash comes to you. Um, but you, planned gifts can largely be counted on. And then there are always those people that just will never tell you that you're in their estate plan. So you need to be constantly asking. You need to be out promoting the idea because you just don't know when people are going to drop you into their, into their will or their life insurance policy. Um, and Joel, you made a point about transactional. And I want to I look at it the other way around and say that relationships, that's the key to big money fundraising. It's true in planned giving especially, but you got to start those relationships early on when the person is just giving $50 or $500 a year. You build those relationships so that when they get into their 60s, 70s, 80s, they're ready to include you in their estate plan for the, you know, the very substantial gifts. You know, you know, you talk about a $50 donor. Uh, I was uh, speaking to somebody recently who I didn't have any reason to believe was a uh, substantial or, or wealthy person. And they confided in me because they were asking for some advice about some holdings that they had that I was quite surprised were very substantial. So you can't always tell, uh, you know, what's going on. People, they, they may do $50, but they may have an awful lot tucked away that you don't know about. And, and I imagine tell. Yep. you can't yep. tell. And so the relationship thing, uh, that's kind of how you find out is when you, as you get to know more and more, that's kind of where, where it turns, right? Absolutely true. Yeah. Lots of well-to-do people are out, you know, sampling, testing nonprofits. Did I get a thank you for my $50 gift or even my $10 gift? I mean, I, I've seen this, you know, you have to, you, you, to build those relationships, you got to thank everybody who gives, even if it costs you more to get a letter out to say thank you, than the value of the gift. I mean, that's pretty rare, but there are some people who will give at that very, very, very low level and it'll cost you more to, to, to process a letter and get it out. You have to do it. You just don't know who's out there testing you and who might have very substantial means way beyond what their five or $50 gift suggests. All right. So listen, so uh, many, many organizations uh, would like to implement a plan giving program. It, it probably is for more well-heeled organizations. I imagine it's for uh, ones that are more substantial that have more longevity. W what are the tricks that uh, the organizations who implement these programs do to be successful. That's really, at the end of the day, I always want to know, some are successful, some are not. So what are the tricks that successful ones use to be successful? First, it's, it's recognizing that fundraising is a relationship business. Yes, the, the person loves your cause. There's no question about it. They love the charitable mission, the work that you do every single day. But if the people in your organization who are front facing, or even, even back office, happen to be turning off potential donors, then it's not gonna matter how much they love your organization. There's like something like 1.4 million charities in this country. There's plenty of competition. People who love your organization, but get turned off relationship-wise, will find another organization that does substantially the same work you do or exactly the same work you do, or they'll just turn to another cause. So you need to recognize this is a relationship-based business. And then, you know, from there, you can flourish. I mean, I've, I've had opportunities where we were talking about an estate plan gift, a gift in someone's will, or maybe something more sophisticated. And they got so turned on by the idea that it became a lifetime gift. They took the same amount of money and put it into 
a lifetime gift. They, they, they wanted to shake the hands of that scholarship recipient. They didn't want it to be funded after their death. Oh. They, wanted to, they wanted to see that smile on, the, on the, the beneficiary's face. They wanted to meet them. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of grand slam. I mean, it's not even a planned gift anymore. It's a lifetime gift. It mm. got converted. The conversation got converted because of the relationship I had with the donor. So uh, because of that, you're able to find out information about them, what they really wanted. And they may not be able to articulate it because they don't know how to say the words until you ask them the questions, I imagine. Yeah, you have to find out what it is about the mission that they love. You know, why did they come to you? Why did, uh, what work is it that, you, that, that really turns them on that you do? And then have them, you know, talk about relationship, have them come visit, you know, let them see the work being done. Um, even if you don't have something sexy, you know, even if it's just an office and they can meet more people in the organization, that's a, that's a home run. Bring them in. You want a broad-based relationship. It, I don't want the relationship to be with just me as the, as the fundraiser, as the strategic advisor in, in planned giving fundraising. I want that relationship to be with lots of people in the organization. That's critical. So bring them in. Let them see the work that they love doing. And another, th another thing that's key to relationships don't only be talking to people when you want their money. You have to meet with them all kinds of times, right after they've made a gift to thank them and meet with them again or reach out to them and be inviting them to events long before you want another gift from them. People know when they're being sort of conned, but the only time you meet them is when you're asking them for something. You gotta keep that relationship strong throughout their longevity with, with the organization. You know, we always found at the Boys and Girls Club that uh, we would invite corporate sponsors and people, uh, and then we'd bring in the kids and they would do a little show, or we'd bring them to the club, and we'd let them see what the kids do, and and they would fall in love with the kids, and that would really, uh, it would, the sale would almost close itself. Now, these weren't plans, these weren't the planned giving deals that you're talking about, but the similar uh, planting of the relationship and kind of getting it to take root, uh, the fundamentals are the same is we used Absolutely. to host luncheons and activities and invite people to come and uh, really show them a good time. And, and there may or may not even have been any ask. We just, we just did it because it was the right thing. And that, that was a trick that we used that was very successful. I mean, I, it, it, it kind of demeans it to call it a trick, but it, it really, it's, 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 the, it's what we knew worked and it really helped to make it successful. That's crucial. You know, Boys and Girls Clubs, you had a real heartstring mission who doesn't love children, right? And children in enrichment programs. We all want, we all want to see children succeed. Uh, so if, you know, if there's a heartstring mission like that, uh, what else comes to mind? Like animal shelter comes to mind. Um, anything, you know, dealing with something living, a, a person, um, wildlife. wildlife so listen, so you, you've dealt with a lot of different organizations. What's an example of one that maybe is more dry how did you bring it to life? How did you develop relationships with, with donors uh, in, in an environment that maybe wasn't quite as uh, heartfelt or sympathetic or, or human? How did you do that? Like, give us an example of a, of a, of a situation. Yeah, I can think of a museum that I worked with. Um, it, it was, it's, it's devoted to uh, carriages. So, you know, that, that uh, it's not a real heartstring, you know, old, uh, the preservation and uh, and uh, recognition of carriages throughout history. Um, 
you bring people in. You, 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 well, well let me, let me ask a question. So let me ask about okay. that. I like did to they, start with the board. Okay. Did, did they have a way of creating a tribe of people who had a common interest around antique carriages and, and history of carriages? I mean, did they have some way to sort the people out? Step one. Yeah. You start with a big prospect pipeline. Um, and that's where the board comes in, introducing the, introducing you to a lot of people. Um, you might look for, uh, you know, to try to build this large pipeline, uh, you might look for people who give to um, cultural institutions that are in your community, um, or maybe, you know, maybe go broader into your state, so that you know that they're interested in culture. You need a big prospect pipeline. It's just, it's just like business. And then you start to engage with them. You know, well, but the, the difference is that in, in business, it's what people need. In fundraising and nonprofit, it's what people like. Yes, what they about. love. Yes, love. Right? Like so so, like so it's love. really, they're different. So, I mean, you know, like there are people who love trains. Uh, they, they love, uh, you know, I don't know, archaeological sites. Uh, they're different people that have interest in different things. So is the trick to figure out what people are out there that like the thing that you're working on. And how do you start doing that? Well, that's one of the tricks. You know, we, we wanted to focus today on, on one, one trick. And I, I, I chose relationships. <laughs> relationships transcend uh, donors, volunteers, board members, employees, potential donors. Um, but yeah, you, uh, another trick is finding enough people to have a big enough prospect pipeline that you're going to be successful in your fundraising as you cultivate them and move them through the pipeline. Right. right. So the, the reason, the reason, their interest. and the reason I was bringing up that question is because that's how the, that's where the pipeline comes from. If you could find people that are interested in the topic, then you can, you can kind of start working that pipeline and figure out which ones you can develop those relationships with. They get bigger and which ones are going to stay small and transactional. So, you know, I just was kind of wondering at the very beginning of the pipeline, getting them into the, into the cycle, uh, if there's a way to really kind of focus in on what it is that people like, care about, love, or, or whatever. Lots of ways to build that pipeline. Uh, I, I didn't mention, uh, we haven't even talked about social media. Uh, start, start following organizations that, uh, that do similar work to yours. Um, start putting out content about the good work that you're doing. Um, and you know, people organically will be drawn to you. Uh, I don't like the idea of buying followers. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a big person for buying mailing lists. Uh, I, I, I prefer a more organic relational approach to, to, uh, moving people through that, through that prospect pipeline from initial engagement to the that ultimate gift that that planned gift in their estate plan or retirement plan but there so there must be some way once you start uh capturing these people and you start finding which people are interested in your mission and what you're doing that you must keep track of them somehow put them into a list uh you know kind of keep track so you can invite them to activities whether they're online activities or in-person activities that that the funnel starts at the top you get all these people and then you but you have to get them into something so that you can eventually have correspondence with them because the internet is kind of anonymous. So you have to take the internet and you have to make it real somehow too, right? You need, you need some basic infrastructure. Of course you need a CRM. Um, you need giving societies. 
Um, I often, when I'm working with clients, I talk about the recognition society for planned giving, how to build that, what, what it should be so that people who have told us that the charity is in their, uh, in their estate plan in some form, are now welcomed to the recognition society and you need recognition societies throughout that that uh, that pipeline of engagement so that even the even the five dollar um, text to give donors get recognized somehow do you, do you find that recognizing those people that there are some organizations that just do it better than others oh absolutely uh, so what, what are the best ones do uh, well, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's it's only money based, but some of the best programs, you know, they spend a lot of money. They can, they can, um, they can host trips that are largely subsidized by the organization. Um, I mean, some some nonprofits like think of think of colleges and universities that host uh, trips to Europe, uh, cruise to Alaska, um, expeditions in Africa. You know, that's all. That's all engagement. That's getting the alumni of the college to, to remind, remember how much they love that institution. And, you know, then you engage them from there. Uh, but it's not, it's not all money. You, again, relationships. If you're paying attention to people um, by inviting them to events, even if, you're, even, if, even if the event is across the country, even if you're sure they can't come, invite them. It's the thought. Don't we all, don't we all feel warm when someone is, invites us to their home? or invites us to, 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 uh, to a golf outing or something. Even if, you know, it's unlike, even if you feel like they knew that it's unlikely we could attend, but you get a warm feeling when you get invited, you know, they, you, you were thought of. So nonprofits need to think of people uh, in, those, in those same ways, you know, invite them to events, uh, invite them to, um, to visit your office. Um, insider communications, you know, we haven't talked about a whole communications marketing plan. Uh, you know, is there is there insider information that you can share with higher level donors that everybody doesn't get or that, you know, higher level donors get it first and then two weeks later it's released to the public. Things like that. You know, it's 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 thought. It's 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 treating people like you like to be treated uh, by by organizations that you give to and that you transact with. It's it's about being special. Everybody wants to be special. So. For, for organizations that are looking to create these plan giving uh, type of programs, how do you transition the relationship from being simple to being much more in depth? Are, is there a certain time or a place when that relationship just pivots to something uh, better and more? Well, generally it's based on age, but there are exceptions to that. Uh, some, some people uh, are, are, slower to mature in the in their relationship with the organization so you you would you you'd likely defer a planned giving conversation uh until later with them uh but mostly it's based on age and you uh you open up the topic you know you uh you you uh, start your promotion and marketing with the the value that uh long-term gifts are going to mean to the organization? What's it going to mean for this organization's work to continue for, for decades and for generations, you know, beyond all of us? Um, a lot of people are, are receptive to that when they've been close to the organization for, for a, a good number of years. 
You know, it's interesting uh, that you talk about communication, relationship. I remember at the Boys and Girls Club, every, uh, every December, we'd send out letters just saying what it is that we're doing, a little recap of the year. And people that we hadn't heard from all year long would just send in some money, like clockwork every single year. They would just, it was part of their plan every year to just give us a little money. And uh, sometimes more than a little, sometimes generously. And, and really uh, made a difference for us. So uh, the things that you're saying resonate is, is absolutely accurate for me. I mean, they really seem to make a big difference. I'm glad. Okay, we got, we got, a, we got one believer. We got a believer. So uh, what are some of the other things that, uh, so you got communications, relationship development, frequent touches, uh, touches whether you can, uh, you know, really involve the person or not, just it makes them feel special. What are some other things that great organizations are doing that turn uh, their, their donors into plan giving uh, long-term people? Well, they have a strong board. Hmm. You, you need to have board commitment to your planned giving program. Uh, I always look for that and encourage it with clients. Uh, often as the, as the outsider, uh, encouraging planned gifts across the board, I like to see 100% participation in the board. Uh, I can- that 100% participation, that, that means, just for clarification, that means that they're all giving too. That's, that's the objective. They're, they're all in, they all have the organization in their estate plan or retirement plan in, in some form. Yeah. yeah. And often as the outsider, uh, I, can, I can move the needle to, to make that happen when even the CEO uh, uh, and the, the head fundraiser you know, are, 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 are not able to, to get traction there. Um, so you see so that board commitment. That's, that's, that's critical. How do you, you know, you talk about having a committed board, having a really good board, uh, you know, larger well-funded organizations, uh, have their pick of the litter. They, they can pick who they want to be on their board. How do littler organizations go about getting really good committed board members? Love of the mission. You have to start finding people who love the work that you're doing. And if they have an expertise that you might need on your board or might want on your board, um, or even if they don't, I mean, I'm not saying everybody has to uh, contribute their, their, uh, their talent in, in whatever profession they're in. But, but uh, if, they, if it's someone that has an expertise that you're looking for and they, they love your mission, you know, then you start to engage them uh, a little more. They, they, get a little, they get a little extra touch. They get, uh, they get some FaceTime with more employees and with the CEO and other board members. Um, when, you're, when you're talking about recruiting board members, um, the, uh, your existing board can be valuable there. Who else do you know that, uh, that might love our work so much or you know that they do love our work uh, that, that they might be interested in? Because we've got some people who are rotating off the board. Typically, you know, board... Um, Board terms last maybe three to four years, um, and maybe you can renew if if uh, if you're up for that. But you know there 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 should be some pretty regular turnover in a board, and um, your existing board is a, a great tool for recruitment. You know, when I was chairman, one of the decisions that I made very deliberately is I would not allow us to just take anybody who wanted to be on the board onto the board. Um, they had to uh, demonstrate commitment. They had to demonstrate a willingness to work. I actually made them sign contracts uh, indicating what their responsibilities were uh, because I just didn't want people that, that could fog a mirror. Just, just because they could fog a mirror wasn't, wasn't enough. And, and 
before I'd gotten there, they had taken on some people uh, that literally uh, they just, they were some warm bodies and they just put them on the board, just to get their numbers up. And you know what? Uh, that actually made it harder to recruit good people because good people come in the room and go, these people aren't doing anything. I don't want to be in a room with nobody doing anything because I'm going to have to end up doing everything. So uh, that's how I dealt with that. And, and it seemed to me that it worked really well, that I would rather have a smaller board of committed people than a larger board of just bodies. Makes contracts, sense. Uh, contracts with board members are becoming increasingly common so that both sides know the expectations, right? So uh, you were cutting edge with that. Um, you, you, uh, you're, you're right on point too. Lackluster board members uh, will drive potential board members away because like you said, no, no, I mean, nobody wants to be around a board that just, just rubber stamps and, and, uh, and, and uh, approves minutes. You know, and that's the, the biggest thing they do is approve the minutes from the previous meeting. Um, you, you, uh, yeah, you want to find those committed people. One, I worked with an organization that would put board members, potential board members through multiple interviews on site. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go to the person's office or home. They made them sit through, um, I think it was three interviews. That's a demonstration of commitment. People yeah. who aren't gonna, people who are not going to come to your office three times in a month or three times over six weeks. Uh, maybe don't have the requisite commitment. Move you know, what people, what people need to understand is that the organization should not be selling to the board member. The board member should be buying from the organization. In other words, we're yeah, not going to convince you yeah. to be on our board. You have to, tell us why you should be on your board and we're going to pick you if, if, it, if it's appropriate. And they're really, that perspective is really important. And you have to really think hard about that perspective. And one of the things that happened for us is that as we started noticing, uh, there were people who wanted to be involved in decision-making, but they didn't want to be on the board. And, and those people, let's say, were uh, higher level people, wealthier people in the, in the neighborhood. They were influential people in the neighborhood. And we actually created a, a, a kind of a layer for them called governors where they were uh, governors for us. So there was the board, there was above the board, there were these governors that they weren't superior to the board, but they were kind of like privy to what was going on in the board, but they didn't have any voting power. Then there were people who wanted to do something like be on a committee, but they weren't board members. And we kind of made them part of an advisory committee. So they were part of the leadership team. I mean, we just kind of figured out ways to involve all kinds of people, but not everybody was a board member. And, and board members were the ones that were then charged with, uh, maybe meeting the people that the governors would introduce us to. So that, that's the kind of stuff we did. That all goes back to relationships, Joel. That's all it's, very smart. Yeah, it, you're right. You're, you're treating people who love the organization as, yeah. as humans, and you're giving them, you're, you're showing the organization's humanity by giving them opportunities to be insiders. You're right. Everybody can't be a board member. Um, and I also like the idea of not approaching board members from a, from a scarcity perspective. Like, we need you, you know. We, we, we got to have you. No, we have, we, have, we have people pitching us to be board members. We're, we're interviewing you. We're checking you out to make sure that you're going to be uh, a strong and, and productive and contributing board member. So I, I admire that perspective a lot. But, um, but uh, yeah, that, you know, the other point, uh, ab absolutely true. Absolutely. Good. Well, and listen, we had a, then we had a fallback, you know, if they couldn't be a board member, there were other things that we could do with them or other places. Cause you know, the one thing you don't want to do, you don't want to take somebody who steps up and says, I want to be involved. They may not be just right to be a board member, but that doesn't mean they're not just right to be something else. So yes. there's kind yeah, of a yeah. fine line. You want to welcome you, 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 when you have these motivated people, 
uh, knowing everybody can't be a board member, what opportunities can you create for people like that to, to, uh, to participate and, and, you know, at a meaningful level? Like, so the, uh, that board of advisors, that's, that's pretty common. But that board of governors that you described, I've never heard of something like that. You know, very smart. Uh, create another advisory board. Create, uh, create a junior board for, for people who are younger that, uh, that uh, maybe are future trustees. To your yeah, right. You create these opportunities for volunteers to give the love to your organization. When you find these people, you don't want to make them just donors. That's, that's you know, important. Donors, donor is an important relationship, but don't make it end there for people who show a, a, a clear passion for going beyond. You know, the main job of these governors was to be introducers to new friends of the club. I mean, you know, they, they know people and, you know, and wealthier people who are their friends, they tend to be like them, right? They tend to be more wealthier people. So uh, that's how we kind of network to, uh, to people that could be helpful to us. And, I, work with and a, I work with a soup kitchen that has, you know, these terrific volunteer opportunities. Thousands of people are wanting to, to sign up to, to, uh, to serve food. They, so much so that, you have to go online. You have to reserve months in advance to be a part of this soup kitchen, um, serving the serving team. And then companies buy into that. So uh, a whole office will, will reserve a day months in advance. Um, and they'll do some fundraising around that. You know, that's a, or, so that's a, that's a, that's a natural one, a, a soup kitchen. But I would say, you know, look for opportunities to engage volunteers in meaningful ways. Can they be, can they be mentors maybe to younger, younger people in your organization? Um, can they, you know, do they have an expertise? I mentioned that before. Do they have an expertise that maybe you need some help with that you could pick their brain and get them to do some volunteer work around that? Um, look for strategic, meaningful ways. I mean, we're not, we don't want people wasting their time because you know, we can all see right through that. But meaningful ways to engage these, these passionate people beyond donors. And that's, showing the humanity of your organization, that's building those strong relationships. Well, you know what, no, no matter which strategy, every one of these strategies come back to people and people come back to relationships. And I can see why that's the, at the top of your pyramid, relationships is the whole name of the game. And there's, there's gotta be a hundred different ways that you can engage people and have relationships with people. But I, I do get why that's it gotta be the focus. And I would imagine that, um, not every organization that doesn't come naturally to everybody in every organization. And that's gotta be a big part of the reason that they call in you for some help. Look, you build these relationships throughout the, throughout the, uh, the life cycle, the, 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 the term of, of, of a volunteer and a donor, and you are going to have a big, big prospect pipeline for planned gifts. And that's the, yeah, that's the work that I do. And, um, those are particularly valuable gifts. You know, baby boomers are very generous. They've proven that for decades. And there's trillions of dollars at play in estate plans over the next 30, 40 years. You want to you wanna be a part of that. because Well, listen, so uh, the part that some of these organizations can do themselves, they can start working on these relationships. They can start building their pipeline. They can start putting things together. I imagine the place where they need some help uh, from an expert like you is when it comes time to actually structuring the plan giving arrangements. So why don't you let everybody know how can they get a hold of you? Because that's probably a place where they really, um, you can't make that up as you go along. You really have to probably get some guidance to get it done right. And there's probably a proven methodology. Uh, you know, one in, in my business, 
there are proven methodologies and you don't really want to make stuff up that is outside the framework. So why don't you let everybody know how to get a hold of you and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can make some matches here. That's, that's cool, Joel. Thank you. Uh, TonyMartinetti.com. Uh, you'll, you'll see how to spell my name on, uh, on, on Joel's podcast. TonyMartinetti.com is the place to find me. Um, Tony at TonyMartinetti.com. If you want to email me directly, uh, love to talk to you about planned giving and it, its value for an organization that uh, you might be a part of. And we'll make, we'll make sure that you know, your contact info is part of the show notes. So listen, man, thank you very much for, for sharing. Uh, if you want to get the inside track on raising uh, money for nonprofits, no doubt about it, start with the relationship and move them through all the way till you get to the top of the pyramid, which is that planned giving arrangement. But uh, valuable, insightful, and thoughtful. So thank you very much. And keep doing the good work that you're doing because the organizations that you help are really benefited by this. And listen, it goes a long way. So thank you very much. Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having me as a guest. Appreciate All right, man. We'll be in touch. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.